the Revolution Church podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your comments. It's Sunday morning. Or evening for some of you. Oh, yes. Time is just relative. Mm-hmm. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, welcome to Revolution Cyberspace. Um, Cyber Church 2.0. Welcome, everybody. How was your weekend? Hopefully it was good. You might think, Jay looks well-rested. <laughs> it's because my kids are with their, were with their mom this weekend. Nice. Yes. But I got some reading done. I read some Hegel this weekend. Mm. Look out. It's Friday night or Saturday night. I was Hegeling it. <laughs> Getting wild. Ugh. Nothing like reading a paragraph and just having your mind completely melted. Mm-hmm. How many times on average do you think you read the same paragraph when you're reading? A few times. I do a lot of highlighting and Mm -hmm. note taking. Yeah. Because it's, it's, uh, I mean, sometimes you're like, okay, I just got to get this in there and hopefully it's going to make more sense when I get down. Right. Connect the pieces later. Yeah. Connect the dots. Well, here it's kind of overcast and rainy here in Washington. Surprise, surprise. Gloomy. Um, I kind of like it, though. It doesn't bother me. Does it bother you? It does. I kind of get the seasonal... The seasonal depression? depression, Yeah. The seasons? I need the the sunshine. It it has been really sunny here in Seattle the past month or two, though. Yeah, it has been good. But you also live low, so your window doesn't bring in a ton of sun either. That's true. I've got this giant window here that brings in all the sun. Mm -hmm. Even when it's gloomy, it's still some sun. Yeah. Um... A friend of mine told me I needed to have my windows open more so the sun would come in and it would mm. be good for me. Yeah. Especially it's good for your bowels. Oh, mm. bowel health. I love getting old. Healthy flora and fauna. <laughs> you ever hear that flora and fauna? I know. That, that refers to the, <laughs> yeah, to like the healthy bacteria in your gut. My dad loved talking about bowel movements. I'm like, all right, let's just cut it out. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it anymore. It's creeping me out. I'm gross. It's gross. <laughs> I have toddlers. I know all about it. Yeah. Um, so I went, I got to, got up this morning and, and, and got to go to Starbucks because it's opened and study in Starbucks until we find out a reason Starbucks is bad. Mm. Um, that's, they've been really bad before and now they're okay. I don't know. It's I hard to keep know. up with. They had a, uh, LGBTQ flag hanging. So I was like, cool. I'm here. Um, read my Bible, made everybody else feel really bad <laughs> around me. Like, Hey everybody, some of us still read the Word of God. Um, you know, Jay, you're supposed to do that in your closet, in yeah. the privacy of your own home. I know. Jesus was very explicit about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, got a little talk ready for y'all. Caffeinated. I'm very caffeinated. Um, today, little talk today. Hey, I, I started th- a new therapy, and that's pretty cool. Um, Super cool. I'm seeing a psychoanalyst. Or an analyst, if you will. 
And um, I told somebody I've seen an analyst, and they said, oh, you have to make it clear it's a psychoanalyst, because an analyst it could be anything. I'm like, yeah, I just I pay someone to analyze me. <laughs> just look at me. Or just analyze other things. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of this? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's a neat thing you have there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I'm doing that partially because – there's a big movie about my parents coming out, and um, and I'm also working on a documentary about my mother uh, with my friend Pete and Helen. And, you know, believe it or not, sometimes the past is hard to deal with. And actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, um, because some of this this stuff, uh, I, I've really watched everything myself on, on, on uh, social media. I've really... Close, shut down a lot of things and, and, um, being very careful on social media not to interact with anybody. So if you guys are out there and seeing all that stuff, I haven't seen it. Um, so thanks for not sending it my way, I guess. Um, does it take a lot of self control for, for it you? does yeah. because you want to, you know, like my mom was trending mm. one day on Twitter, you know, and I was really tempted to, yeah. but I didn't, you know, I didn't touch it. I didn't Good do it. And, um, but yeah, it, it, it's funny how it brings things back. And I was going over some of the transcripts last night of my dad's trial. And, uh, it's, and it's just so amazing how, how people are so disconnected with reality when it comes to my family. And, um, it was, it was just really wild to watch. And when we did my dad's sentence reduction, my, I, I, I test, I gave testimony for that and reading that testimony. And then finally I shut it down. I was like, I've got to read Hegel and then I've got to watch a movie, an action movie or something. Cause I got to get my head clear. And I did that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and listen to some good Sinead. Sinead O'Connor's album, Theology, uh, she's, by the way, she came out of retirement the next day because she said she was just overreacting to a very mean press person. I love Sinead because mm. I love her humanity, how clear it is, wow. how transparent she is. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so, um, did that, her, that album, Theology is really good though. I highly recommend it. It's not on Spotify though. You have to get it on Apple music, I mm. think. Um, and I don't think it ever came out on vinyl because it's such a big album. If it did, and you have a copy, send it to me <laughs> right away. <laughs> no questions asked. Just send it to me. <laughs> um, so anyhow, enough about Sinead. But yeah, you know, just kind of going back to some places and revisiting things. And uh, hopefully that's a helpful step. But as I'm going through my, 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 seeing my analyst, that, that's helping a lot. And I'm realizing some really cool things about my life and myself and my past and, and, um, some of the things I've, I've built in my life, defense mechanisms and things mm. to kind of deal with living life this way in ways that's affected me as a human being and my personality. Mm. So I'm really glad to be doing that. And I talk about that stuff because like I'm having to see it as investment because it's not, I don't have insurance right now. So it's not easy to, to, to handle financially right now, but I see it as an investment in my life as a father and as, as a pat or whatever I am, a speaker here <laughs> uh, to you guys as a teacher, you know, and, and for my work and for my life and, um, and for my relationships, you know. So, but basically, I just want to be the best dad there is and be a really better communicator and uh, with you guys because I think we're we're going into a lot of different places and we're trying to figure out how to live life and how to live life well. And uh, I'm going to continue to do that. So, I, once again, I recommend therapy, but. 
So today, um, uh, I think it's because there's been so much of my past kind of coming up in my head that obviously it's going to affect my talks um, because all my talks are always very organic and come from my my experience and, and what I've been thinking and also just avoiding social media and 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 just being not online as much kind of limits my thinking but but today I wanted to talk about um, stooping to one's level and I think we all probably heard growing up don't stoop to their level you know, when we've had conflict or arguments and things like, don't stoop to their level. And I think that is valuable advice that we hear our whole life, but we never really grasp what it means. Um, for me, it was just like, oh, you know, don't get mad with them or don't call them names just because they're calling you names right. and, and things like that. And, and that's usually what it was for me is in schools I was defending my family, you know, um, you know, high school as people just find out whatever <laughs> your most obvious weaknesses and go after it. Sure. Um, so, so that was one of the things uh, I heard a lot is don't stoop to their level. But I, I think that goes much deeper in our lives as human beings. And, um, and I think there is a way for us to reflect on that stooping to one's level and, and maybe in ways that we don't necessarily automatically connect with. Um, it reminded me of a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Surprise, surprise. Um, that said, let no man pull you down enough to hate him. Let no man pull you down enough to hate him. Mm. Um, and that's always really, really struck me really hard because here's a guy who I feel like, you know, Dr. King had many reasons to hate people, uh, would have been very well justified to hate people. Um, and I'm sure there were times that hate crept in. I mean, I struggle sometimes where hate creeps in. I, you know, I talk about it to my therapist and say, this, this doesn't feel good. I don't, this mm. isn't me. And, uh, what is that? But also learning that, you know, you've been told to sometimes hold back emotions if you grew up in religion. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, you're not supposed to feel this. You're right. not supposed to feel that, you know, and so mm. you kind of have to really get in there and find constructive ways to deal with the pain inside, the hurt and the anger. Um, But what I wanted to ask was, is, you know, why do we allow others, maybe even like don't go down to their level, but maybe something like, don't let people pull you down to be cruel. You know, um, cause cruelty is such a, a horrible thing. And, um, and I think we often are able to be pulled down to a level of cruelty. Um, where we're, where we are stooping to their level. Um, and I think there's people we, we all do this for. And I don't know if we recognize that, that stooping to people's levels, we often become a reflection of the people that we are angry with. Mm-hmm. And that we disagree with and that we despise. 
And I think it's interesting too, if we look into like loving your neighbor as yourself, you know, when you think about this reflection and what's happening is, is instead of loving this person as yourself, you're hating them as they hate you, or you're judging them as they judge you or judging them as they judge others. And what we do is we kind of reflect the behavior that we're seeing. And a lot of things, and obviously in a mirror, things are backwards. And so that makes perfect point for disagreement and argument and, mm-hmm. and like to create uh, a division. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one of the things um, one of my therapists used to say to me, because uh, I've struggled a lot with depression and self-doubt and bad had a lot of negative thoughts which i've really worked on and and thanks to dbt i've really really corralled pretty well but um but my therapist used to say would you say the things that you say about yourself Mm -hmm. to anyone in your congregation would you tell any of your friends that they were losers, that they were going to give up, that their life was a failure. Um, would you ever tell anybody else that? And I go, no, that would be cruel. Mm. And realizing that I was being cruel to myself, that I was saying horrific things to myself. Uh, and I think what happens in positions like that as well is that when we're not completely direct, like I would never say that to anybody on the con- my congregation – but I might say it about somebody who's a politician or a celebrity, you know, and I might all of a sudden start to project mm. my feelings towards myself, towards people that I'm not quite connected to, um, which may have been a little less destructive in the days when we couldn't get online and just talk about it in person in front of other people, you know, um, I think. I think now that we all have more of a voice in this world, we often don't realize how much our projections onto others really affects them or affects people around them or even affects people who are on the sidelines going like, well, what he's condemning there, I struggle with. What he's condemning there, that's what I have in my, you know what I mean? So we start to kind of spread this ideal of self-hate or hating towards others or destruction towards others because we start to be able to lower ourselves, especially in the safety of our own homes behind screens. I mean, I can't believe that I'm speaking about technology, giving talks about technology, but it's so much of our life. And with COVID, it's just become like so much yeah. of our world. Um, I mean, great examples are like, you know, you'll see somebody who was hurt by a pastor or something, and sometimes they'll start a whole website or they'll start a whole Facebook page of like, this is Facebook page is just about that guy, and we don't like him, and we're going to talk about it. And there's a lot of reflection happening there, but there's also a lot of projection happening mm. there. Um, and I think a projector actually does some reverse things with mirrors anyway, but I'm not going to get into all that. Um I'll give you a prime example for me was probably 10, 15 years ago. It had been Mark Driscoll, you know, and, and at a few different levels uh, for personally for me is that it was like, I had kind of a ticket not to show him 
the grace that I wanted. And I remember my co-pastor, Vince Anderson, challenging me on that one day and said, I want you to think of three good things about him. You know, wow. he's like, because I feel like you just really got this resentment towards this guy. And it was also that there were other people of the same elk or theology that were attacking me at the time. And so I feel like I just was like taking all of that and just pinpointing it towards one person. Mm. Scapegoat. And um, yeah, it's definitely scapegoat. So I had to really look at that. And that was, I want, I think is the irony here is that I wanted to point out is that when we become that which we hate or those who we hate, um, or we give ourselves a pass to hate them in the same way they hate us, hmm. um, often becomes the thing. And the next thing we're imitating them. We might be imitating like, like the negative them, you know, um, the evil twin. <laughs> But but we get caught up in this thing where all of a sudden it's like we found the asterisk for grace, we found the asterisk for compassion, we found the asterisk for love, and so we're able to say, okay, well, we, you know, I mean, I mean, I love that person, but you know, and we really go in and now it was much easier for me to do with someone like Mark Driscoll because I never met Mark Driscoll, I've never met his kids, I've never met his wife, I've never met his friends or his family, I've never sat into one of his church buildings, I've never heard him even give. A full speak talk, you know. I, I just couldn't get through it. I tried to listen online before, but I couldn't do it. And so we kind of get this mirror of these people, and then we start to become something that we hate, even though we're we're doing the, maybe the opposite styles of doing it, but mm. we're still becoming something. We're still stooping down to their level uh, to become like them. And the reason I use that as an example is because he's a pastor, he's a celebrity at the time, um, you know, well, very well known. And we often do that with others. I think I also am reflecting on this because of what I've, you know, the, the movie that, you know, seeing the movie, uh, uh, trailer, trailer, which is out now. So anybody can see it, but seeing the movie trailer and, uh, I had to close a few things. So I did see a comment here and there when I was closing and not following things. Um, but this, this complete, exception to who we are as human beings, to what we believe about humanity. And this complete exception to my like, well, I'm I'm going to have like compassion tattooed on my neck, you know? Um, And this complete like, oh, I don't have to use compassion here. You know, the exception to the rule. Mm. Um. And to be honest with you, I don't find that it gave me a lot of peace. Hmm. Now, I don't have an issue with disagreeing with people's theologies, philosophies, ideas, and thoughts. You know, I think disagreeing and disagreeing well is important, but disagreeing well, the well part is a very important part of uh, being respectful and having compassion built within those moments. You know, of you know, listen, I don't have to be, I don't have to be. A manly man and gruff and mean because they are. You know, I don't have to be harsh because they're harsh. I can speak my truth and I can stay calm because what's happening is when we do this reflection, we start to realize that they have control of us Mm -hmm. and we're trying to control them. And all we're doing is we're just getting more angry. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, it doesn't become about how can we look at these theological issues differently? It becomes about how can I be right and you wrong? You know, how you're bad, I'm good. 
and it just starts to come into real simplistic thinking, right? And um, which leads us into a greater division. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going somewhere with this. I promise. Uh, Donald Trump is another one I was thinking about. Um, he was really easy to do that with. Um, I know it's such an extreme example, but you know, if you look about, if you look at our current president, Joe Biden and how he's doing things that aren't great either, but how we all choose to react, you know, where, what our level of maturity is behind, we react to one person to another. And, um, I guess what I'm, I'm thinking is, is like, To change society, to be protective members of society, I think it's important, and this is why I think therapy is important, and different things like this are really important, reading is very important, is that we learn to deal with our anger and our hurts and our pains. And what I don't want to see is I don't want to see you or me become what we despise. Mm. I don't want to see us lowering ourselves somehow because we can justify it so easily. We can justify it because it's like, oh, this is wrong and this is bad, mm. you know. And, and I've seen it. I've seen it so many times over and over again where these most loving, compassionate people, you know, have one or two, three people in their life where it's just they're not, it's not them. Like they begin to reflect that which they hate. And um, they begin to almost become a caricature of that very person they can't stand. Um, They start judging every little thing. And these would be some of the most non-judgmental people. I do it myself where he's like, oh, I'm all a grace guy until I find that one person that just gets me right. And then I just become like, you know, I'm like, God, you need to get off the throne. I can handle this, man, because I've got let my wrath and judgment handle this because I've got it. Um, And those are the people I don't want to be. Because usually I'm argue the reason we usually are, are upset with a lot of these folks, especially if you're here at Revolution, a lot of the times when we're really upset and hurt by these people is because they're so mean and angry and ungraceful and lack compassion. And what I'm saying is, is those are, so when you go into a war with someone, you know, let, and I don't like the word war. I, I'm going to say good art, a good conversation, a good argument. It's going to be war if you forget your tools. I'm not going to say weapons, your tools. What your tools are, grace and compassion and love and sympathy and empathy. If you have some of those things, peace, pace, joy, kindness, long-suffering, if you have some of those with you, you're able to hold on to your true self. You're able to follow your convictions within those situations. And you help take away that license for everybody else to sink to that level hmm. by your own example. You show people the road less traveled, hmm. the narrow road. And I believe that's when, when the Bible's talking about the narrow road, that's what it's talking about. It's, it's talking about walking down a road with love and compassion and all these tools. It might have been the same road, but the road becomes a lot more narrow when you have all these tools with you about love and grace and patience and kindness. Um, so we end up hating a behavior so much that we end up imitating it. 
we we become to hate the legalist so much that we start to become legalists ourselves in another way. Mm. Um, I've been accused of this. Um, years ago, I was accused of being just as bad as on the left as the Christians are on the right. And I've also probably accused people of that myself, but I was actually accused of that once years ago. Um, but when we're imitating others, I was thinking about that old saying, like, imitation is the serious, sincerest form of flattery, you know? And in a way, you know, it's like, they've got us to stoop to their level. They got us angry. We're not making sense anymore. We don't have a, a well-shaped argument anymore. Um, we're not being the compassionate people that we, we strive to be anymore. You know, we've just, and it shows that that enemy, that person now has control. They have control mm-hmm. over our emotions. Mm-hmm. They have control over us. And they have pretty much won when we become so angry. And that's why I, I, I don't like getting in screaming matches. I would never get in screaming matches with the street preachers. I would go and talk to them sometimes in my neighborhood when they were in my neighborhood, especially in Atlanta. And as soon as they wanted, as soon as I felt my temper rise, I was just like, all right, I got to go. You know, I, I, I've got to do something or I got to be somewhere. Or sometimes I would just walk into a building <laughs> that was mm-hmm. the closest place. Because I realized that as soon as I lost control, in some ways they've won. And it's funny because this one street preacher, he used to have a guy with him that had a camera. And he was basically showing that he wanted to fight with people. He wanted – that's what he wanted. He wanted the argument. He wanted to see people get angry. You know, He wanted to show this video and say, look how angry they are, you know. And and for me, it was like I'm not going to give him that. But it's tough. It's tough to do that. And I'm not perfect at this by any means, but this is something I've been thinking about. Um, Is there something we see in ourselves when we become angry at others? You know, a type of projection. Is there something that we identify with ourselves and maybe even like in ourselves and we almost have some sort of wish fulfillment that we could be like that or say things like that when we stoop to that level. You know, is there something within us that wants to be that way? And I think that's something to keep in check is that where is this anger coming from? Mm. Where is this pain coming from? Where is this hurt coming from? Um, why is it that some people are able to control me? Why is it that I see some people online and I just want to just let them have it? And or I'll do, I'll let them have it. Or why is it that I need to start a whole website against one person to show everybody how horrible they are? You know, um, I'm not saying that those things aren't productive. I'm, I'm sure they can be. But what I'm trying to say is, is I'd rather find someone that I disagree with and someone who I can't and be able to sit down and have a, I would love to have a cup of coffee with Mark Driscoll and have a conversation with him, you know, um, or, uh, the guy who was in Minnesota. I can't remember his name right now. Um, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? That's probably good. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, another conservative, uh, guy. Um, but, Piper, John Piper. Piper, yeah. But I would love to sit down. You know, when I was a kid and I was 16 years old, I sat down in a hotel room and had an hour-long conversation with Jerry Falwell. Mm-hmm. 
and we talked. Now, I wasn't the nicest person in the world. I was 16, and I was extremely angry at this human being. Um, but we had a conversation. And I'm grateful for that conversation because when I came out of it, I felt like I'd taken him off my back. You know, I felt like there was a part of me that was like, okay, I got to say my piece. I got to forgive this guy, even though he maybe didn't feel like there was a reason for me to forgive him. But I still got to do it on my own terms. And it was almost as like I grabbed my life back. Like all of a sudden this burden I've been, this resentment I've been carrying since I was an 11 year old kid was just not as heavy anymore. Um, Matthew 5.38 says, uh, I love Jesus. <laughs> um, Matthew 5.38 says, uh, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anybody wants to see you and takes your coat, give them your cloak as well. I don't even have any cloaks. That's how many I've given away. <laughs> um, do you want a t-shirt? You got a t-shirt. <laughs> um, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And this is Jesus literally changing the law. He's changing religious law here, okay? Um, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Hmm. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Mm -hmm. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than any other? Do not even Gentiles, even Gentiles. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. <laughs> not, not cool, bro. <laughs> They're here. They can hear you. <laughs> Do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, here's the interesting thing is that perfection, I think a lot of us heard perfection growing up in the church and it nearly destroyed us. Yeah. But perfection is not smoking or chewing or screwing or going with girls who doing. Mm -hmm. That's what my dad used to say when I was a kid. Um, no, it's not, it, it, it's not those things. It's, it, it's saying, love your enemies. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now this is a hard task to do. This is something that takes time and it's tough to do. But this is what, and, and, and for me, today I highlighted this part here is where it says pray for, but the part I highlighted was those who persecute you. So I don't think this leaves a lot of space for questions. This is saying love those who, who are persecuting you. It's talking like, so who is my enemy? Your enemy is people who are persecuting you, people who hurt you. And what does it say? Pray for them. And I like that it says pray for them in this way. is because me and Zoe uh, used to talk about loving people from afar and showing grace from afar. And I think what Jesus is saying is when, you, when you're praying for them, you don't have to be right with them. Mm. 
You don't. Have, he, he's not saying hang out with them and make them your best friend. Not saying that, but it's saying pray for those who are hurting you. But that's also pray for those who are hurting people you love as well. Because sometimes, for me, the greater enemy is not those who persecute me. It's those who persecute the ones that I love. Mm. Uh, that's why I, I did so much with the LGBTQ community. That's why I've, 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 I've talked positive about my mother and my father in the past. You know, I mean, because I've seen all of them so persecuted. And the hardest thing was is to love those people who were hurting the people that I love. Yeah. It's hard to show them love. And sometimes the only thing you can do is pray for them. And I'm not a big prayer. I'm going to be honest with you there. But to think about them or think about ways I can communicate well with them or try to put myself in their shoes mm. and empathize with them and realize the complexities of life and the contradictions of life and that their contradictions are not the same as my own contradictions. Mm. I'd be happier if their contradictions were my contradictions because then we could get probably get along a lot better. But they might have the exact opposite and there's that whole mirror issue going again. But I do not want someone like – I do not want to be someone like Jerry Falwell. I do not want to be that angry and that hurtful to somebody else. I don't want to return that favor. I don't want to become that. One of the things I have – I really struggle with and why I don't like the word church and why I'm not really big into being pastor right now or anything like that is because I see the church is so divided and I see they keep – dualistic thinking of these two-sided things and it seems like they're just holding up a mirror to each other and they're literally like well i'm going to be as angry but i'm going to do it the opposite way so my anger and everybody thinks they have righteous anger and everybody thinks that god's on their side do you understand so nothing's getting solved when we scream at each other yell at each other and write each other off and when we cancel each other game over and there's no change at that point Mm. And you say, well, you don't know what canceling is. Trust me, I, I know what canceling is. I have to live my whole life being Baker. I don't think I've ever done an interview where my parents weren't asked about, where the scandal wasn't asked about. I've no, never done an interview in a newspaper where something hasn't been written about where am I from, who I am, what my family did. Mm-hmm. I literally live my life and all my work is always <laughs> – Always, uh, uh, seen through that mirror, mm-hmm. seen through that, that lens, that lens mm-hmm. of oh, this is who he is. So mm-hmm. we're going to put, you know, and I guess that's what they think because that's what makes him exciting and worthy of being listened to is that his parents were these people who did all these weird things, you know? Um, uh, so I know what this feels like. I know what cancellation is. And cancellation is not just the person's forgotten about. It's literally life shaming. It's the shame for life. It is the, the, uh, scarlet letter. Mm. You know, it is literally like, here's a badge. It says canceled on it. Please wear it so we know. And, and, and it's like in, in, what is it? Is it North Korea where they like make family members stay in prison of other family members? Oh yeah, I think it is. Yeah. You know, like so grandkids of someone who committed a crime are still in prison because of the crime that the grandfather mm-hmm. committed, you know. Some Old Testament stuff. And right? so we're very much like that in the world. It used to be just Christianity, but now it seems to have really gotten everywhere is that we put a scarlet letter on people and then on their family and all of that. And so forever they're known as this mm-hmm. you know oh they're the you know maybe he should change your name um you know i had to ask people not to to put me in you know, <laughs> to put me in tweets i said please don't at me in tweets because sometimes people will be like 
well, yeah, they're awful, but their son, Jay Baker, is really nice, you know? And so I end up seeing the really nice part, and then I end up seeing the first part, and I'm like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know, like, just, you don't have to bring me into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know what it's like. I've been there. And it's strange, too, for me, like, how we make special exceptions, you know, to be cruel, to have a them. To go, oh, well, the media said this. And so often, too, our judgments and our persecutions towards others aren't even based on a reality that we know, but it's second to third and fourth hand hearsay. And I'm telling you all this so you'll think about it when you're in those moments, when you're in those moments of persecution, when you're in those moments of wanting to lay down the final judgment. Um, Maybe I'm not saying don't judge. Bible says don't judge, but I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is if you're going to judge, just like arguing well, try to judge well. Try to take in all the facts. Try to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. You know, like I, I would never do that. I would never do what they did. But would you even be capable of, of reaching the place and doing or wanting to be in that place where they were that caused them to have that moment? Mm. You know, that's why I say put yourself in their shoes. Like, if you had this happening to you, how would you react? You know, could you be possible that you are, would be capable of doing the same thing? Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I always relate to Thomas. Like, Thomas is like, if all the disciples were like, hey, man, we saw Jesus, he's back, he's alive. He'd be like, no, he's not. That's, yeah. You guys are insane, and I think you're just trying to start a religion. And we all saw him die, and, you know, if he wants to be here, then he needs to be in front of me, and I need to put my hands in the holes and all that stuff, you know, like, I got to see this shit, you know? Um, You know, I often think about this idea of, like, I hear a lot of people I really like, like, you know, it's, I'm okay, you're okay, you know, I hear that, but the same people I see do the thing like, well, they're a dick, then I'm a dick, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's always an exception to who we are willing to hate, in the Bible, and Jesus is literally saying, those who persecute you, pray for those and be kind to those who persecute you. This is the this is what the Heavenly Father is like. This is what God is like. Okay, I don't use I don't mean to use pronouns. It's just this is what the, my, that my version of the Bible says. But this is what God. This is the somehow the nature of God is to love enemies. Now, to me, that's really good news for all of us. Um. But it could be even better news as if this is the type of thing we wanted to apply in our life. And I'm going to hit this a little bit harder in a second. Um, I mean, it's very hard for me to watch the compassionate, bleeding heart friends become judgmental and angry and cruel. I've seen it so many times. I recently had a situation with us with, with my family, actually, where I have a friend who is a pastor and... Um, like super, oh, super loving guy, super woke guy, super does. I love his. Well, I love most of his work. Does all this great stuff, you know. But then he put something up to talk about how horrible my dad was. Which, if he wants to say my dad's bad right now and you don't like what he does, I get that. But then he goes back and he's like, "This guy was in prison and how you know why would we trust him again and blah blah blah." And I had to wait a second. Now that's where it stops for me, you know. Now you're going back 35, 40 years for something that he actually did time for, he served the time for, and now you're somehow connecting this and saying that there's no grace for those moments, even though he paid his time. Mm. And he did his time. You know, 
Um, so there's no grace for this person, but the same person, friend of mine, would, would is, like fights for prisoners' rights all the time. Which was, so to me, I was like, do you not see the irony yeah. here of what you're doing and what you're saying? You know, it's one thing to say, like, oh, he sells food buckets, and that is so weird, and he thinks the world's going to end, and that's really weird, and blah, 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 you know, like, okay, go for it. But it was when you went back and to kept a record. Mm. What does the Bible say? Love says, keeps no record of when it's been wronged. Amen. Right? Love keeps no record of when it's been wronged. And we're willing to go back 30, 40 years. I am literally live my life with something that happened to my parents 30 years ago, that's in every bit of my work. When I wrote a book about Paul, my last book, they wanted it to be another biography. Mm. I had to fight with him for a week saying, I already wrote an autobiography. I don't want to talk about my parents in this. Wow. I want to talk about the book of Galatians. I want to talk about why I think the Apostle Paul is important. I want to write a theology book. And they wanted me to talk about something that happened to my parents. You know, And it's funny also to see how people want to hold my parents accountable eat singly for different things i mean it's just ironic it's tough and i've been through it and so that's why i'm, I'm an expert okay um and that's why you're going to get a different probably hear something different from me than other places because i see a lot of people that i look up to who think canceling is great they think it's like oh well people are finally being held accountable i don't have anything against holding people accountable um but there's got to be grace with an accountability you know there has to be some grace there has to be eventually forgiveness is the point mm-hmm. Um, for Christians, for people who say I'm a Christian or I follow Jesus or I like Jesus' teachings and it's kind of how I live my life, for those of you who say that kind of shit, <laughs> like myself, for us, then we need to know what the Bible says. And this is, uh, you know, I, I just think that we shouldn't have pertinent people that we're willing to throw our standards out for. And I think we do a lot of that. We have certain people that get us so angry that we throw out our own standards for and we throw out our self-respect for and we so we sell out our own code, our code of of loving others. We just say, no, forget it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and we do scapegoating. Now, one of the things is, uh, you know, the Beatitudes is right before. Jesus saying, love your enemies, no longer tooth for a tooth or an eye for an eye. And what Gandhi said, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. And I believe that. I believe we're fighting blind when we're having this dualistic type of thinking and arguing and we're going to war rather than arguing well. That's right. um, I think we just look like fools and we look blinded. And to me, it's just put such a bad taste in my mouth, I have to step back. Um, but I still believe, I still love the Bible. I still love theology. I love philosophy a little bit more because of some of this stuff, but still, it's all there. Um, but the Beatitudes, and I hear so many of my progressive friends talk about the Beatitudes and how important the Beatitudes were and how they changed everything. And they talk about the poor, and we've got to be with the poor. And I, I've worked in homeless shelters before myself. I agree with that. And how important the poor are, you know, and how important it is to mourn with others. And, you know, uh, Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure of heart, you know, uh, blessed are the poor of spirit, you know, and we tell the, you know, we, we just nail it with, you know, we can all agree. I don't think no matter what, what your theology is, we can all agree that the poor are, we are here and called to take care of the poor and encourage the poor, to stand with the poor, to help the poor. Um, 
I'm poor, so, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But I'm, I, I'm not going to say like, we all want to make each other rich. I'm not, that's not me. Um, I wish it was though. Like we're going to all be rich for Jesus. Um, Cadillac for Christ. Um, my new car club. Um, but no, seriously. Um, but right in the same beatitudes, you follow the beatitudes, and the beatitudes says, "Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." For those who persecute you, the same area, the same talk Jesus is giving. So we talk about loving the poor, taking care of the poor, and how great that is, you know. And we have shelters that we build, and we do all these great things. But you know, what? maybe we should start building shelters for our enemies. Maybe we should start feeding our enemies. Maybe we should start a clothes closet for our enemies. Maybe we should make loving our enemies as basic as loving the poor because this insane talk, this is what Jesus says, mm. but it's the one we ignore. Because Jesus is saying don't only love the poor, but love and pray for those people who are taking advantage of them and making them poor. To the point that Matthew, the very book that this is in and named after, is a tax collector who was taking advantage of the poor, who Jesus walks straight up to and says, I want you to be my disciple. And if you know how disciples worked in Judaism, the rabbi never walked up and asked. You would have to ask the rabbi at least three times. They wanted to know you were serious. And Jesus walks up to Matthew, not no, not just knowing he's a tax collector, but he's actually in the midst of collecting taxes. He is a Jew and collecting taxes for Rome, which means he is a traitor to his own people. And Jesus walks up and uses him. Paul, Paul The Apostle Paul. One of the greatest Pharisees who ever lives. Who changes the Bible and who opens up inclusion even more? The Apostle Paul. Yeah. The very enemy. So what happens when we love our enemies? And this is what, what we're here to see. This is what we're told. Is to love your enemies, take care of the poor, oh, and pray for them. It's not saying that you have to go hang out every day. My thing is I'm taking it a little bit further. Like, you know, uh, Pete's talk about, you know, the, you know, the, going one mile now you walk two miles and, and then they put we're the church of two miles and then yeah. jesus comes back and goes well now you have to do three miles uh-huh. you know guys change your name to something else and you won't have to walk so much um that's how walking ministry started <laughs> um, <laughs> um that's where jogging came from yeah uh, quick walking. okay let's just get this over with um <laughs> the <origin of> jogging <laughs> um that's going to be my next theology book. And then you end up with a sweet summer bod. <laughs> yeah, and you look great. <laughs> so you look great. You're not judging people. You're going 20 miles now. <laughs> um, no, so seriously though, guys, it, it's like it, it's like this is it, it's something that's it's counterintuitive for us to do. It's completely counterintuitive for us to do. But it's not, you know, so I'm not saying I'm taking it the extra mile and saying, yeah, let's start the the Center for Enemies. And start the enemy shelter. But Jesus said, at least pray for him. I mean, does he turn the other cheek as well? Um, don't return evil for evil. Don't be the mirror. I mean, if Dr. King had decided to do that, he would have started a militia. You know, or at least carried shields. But he went down and he went with his humanity and he was beaten and beat up and hurt and stuff, but showed the whole world 
the lack of humanity that the others had, the lack of respect for humanity that others had towards humans Hmm. came through that. And often that's where people go like, oh, so sometimes the great thing about TV cameras being there was it wasn't just a realization for some of these police officers of like, why am I beating somebody who's not fighting back? But it was also when the TV cameras were there, it was saying the world saw it. Mm. The world saw this moment. Hegel talks about the moments when we come together and that there's a type of humanity recognized, even if we are arguing or at war with one another, that comes alive when we are within each other's presence. And... um and I believe that's what happens. And so I think when those moments, when we have that moment of connection, that spark of grace, what are we going to do with that spark? Are we just going to let it spark and fizz out? Or are we going to take that spark and let a fire start of grace and compassion and mercy? And you might say, yeah, I don't want to do any of these things. Trust me, that's not my bag either. I want to fight back and get revenge. I used to have so many dreams of getting revenge on certain people that, I mean, at night, you know, come up with the fake scenarios of how i was going to get revenge um you know i remember the i wanted to get revenge on the prosecution the prosecution against my dad you know all the time i was like oh you know they did this and they did that and they said this and they they asked the judge to go under the old law so my dad could get longer time than the time that he was you know that was changed in the law i mean my dad should have only done like 50 months but then they gave him 45 years you know um and so I wanted revenge, but that's not what it, it's not what the Bible tells me to do. That's not what this religion tells me to do. That's not what this faith tells me to do. It tells me to take care of the poor. It tells me to love my enemies. It tells me to be with the meek. So basically, I don't, I, I it, it is constantly whittling down my list of enemies. Mm. You know, um, you know, Pete used to joke that I would just stand up and read my enemy list to people when I talk. So let me just go through the people who've wronged me. You know, but I have to cross all those people off. Or that has to become my prayer list. And then I'm praying again. You know, I loved in one of Pete's books, he said, you know, when someone was asking him, do you believe in God? And he goes, well, you know, yeah, I'm trying to love my neighbor as myself. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to love my enemies, saying that this was the truest expression mm-hmm. of God or Christianity lived out. And I believe this. So when you love your neighbor as yourself and you realize your neighbor is your enemy, then you're able to take care of the poor at any moment. You're able to take care of the enemy at any moment. You're always willing to see in compassion and try to have some empathy for every human being on earth. It's always amazed to me when like you get like these really like super open, you know, anything goes people, you know, and then they see the pastor who had sex with somebody and they go, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. Like all of a sudden they just become prude. Like their judgment was like, wait, he just, you know, like in Europe, this wouldn't have been a big deal. Oh no, I can't believe they would do such a thing. I'm like, do you see? Like, you're even your you become the you become the the pastor. You become a member of the congregation. You become the very you know you become the judgment seat. You know, and this is stuff that changes lives and changes the world. And this is the type of idea that if we want it, if we use and we take, you will see a change in your life and you will see a change in people's lives. I do believe it. I don't think everybody will change overnight. Um, but sometimes it's, it's for you and not them as well. You know, sometimes I've learned that me forgiving someone was what I needed. Mm. They didn't necessarily give a damn. Yeah. You know, but it also made me look at like, see things differently and set me free so not every thought was anger and move me into a compassionate area. 
grace is something that is freely given that you can't get. It's not you can't buy it. Doesn't deserve it. Blah blah blah. It's anarchy. And I do believe that the life of grace, that grows within us and changes within us and evolves within us, leads to this type of thinking. And I don't think you need to go through having your whole family scapegoated or bad or have your family make poor decisions and have them judged by the world in order to come up with this kind of thing. I mean, it's 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 there in the Bible as clearly as thing. I mean, could you imagine if the church decided to agree that, hey, you know, we got the Beatitudes, but we also got to remember this love your enemy thing, and then we're going to try to do this really well. Could you imagine what would happen? You know, things would be different. You know, the church wouldn't be, you know, raising money to try to stop transgender people from having lives, you know, mm-hmm. because if they see them as enemies and they would think, well, we have to love them and care for them and do these type of things. And they might just go into that perverse sense of love, like, well, we're doing it because we love you. But that's also where maturity and growth and, 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 and uh, comes in to play where we go like, okay, where we're able to see counterfeit love as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the counterfeit love can often be kicking the shit out of somebody because, oh, we're just beating the sin out of them. That's not love. Read Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. That'll give you a better idea. Um, I had two pages, and I'm not using the second, the last two, or four pages. I'm not using the last two pages, but I will use what I was going to end on there. Um is the end is is that we are called to live different. The Bible calls us to live differently. And um, that's what we're talking about. And if you're here, for some reason you wanted to hear me talk about the Bible and talk about life, and um, that's what I'm talking about today is how can we, how can we, uh, how can we get to that point? You know, um, this is a personal talk for me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, just the other day I had, I shared a picture of me and my mom and someone came in and was talking about, you know, these poor people who gave money to my parents and they became poor and then he had to take care of them and how horrible my parents were. And when was somebody going to tell their story and, and do all this stuff? And he kept going harder and harder and harder on me. And I was like, listen, you know, you don't know all the facts. You don't know everything that happened to my mother. You know, your mother died happy. I'm like, no, she didn't have any money when she passed away. Her husband did, but she didn't. And she died a pretty horrific death of cancer, you know. And my dad did five years in prison. I'm like, you know, is there any point where the suffering is enough? Or is it this continued, do we have to give continued suffering to people because we are so angry? Is our anger just unquenchable? You know, is is what we read because I said, do you believe in forgiveness? Do you believe in that people can be forgiven? Do you believe people can be uh, restored? And he, I said, just yes or no. And he said, yes. But obviously, seemed like that wasn't a place for my family until people knew how bad my family really were. And I said, the fact is, if you had to live with my name constantly, you would know this. Mm. Um, but I didn't go after. I didn't go on attack. You know, Pete's always telling me he's amazed by how many times I can get my critics to be nice to me. <laughs> but it comes from I believe what I speak. And uh, I believe we can argue well, even online sometimes. Not the best place to do it, but in person's probably a little bit better. And probably judging online is probably the least constructive way to do it as well. But there you go. I love people. Don't necessarily like them all, but <laughs> but uh, I think we can live better.
and we can do better, and we can live well, and uh, we can argue well. So if we have any comments or pushback. We sure do. Good. I was hoping so. Yeah. So um, we'll start with a little bit of pushback and then some questions for yeah. you here. Uh, Travis asked, can the display of anger be used for good or to make a point like Jesus did by turning over the tables? Um, I, I wonder if that's just kind of like kind of juxtaposed against the idea of turning the other cheek, you know, maybe it's, it's like, it's one of those, a narrow path or is it, is it an A or B <laughs> decision, you know, turning the other cheek versus getting angry and turning the table, turn the cheek or turn the table. Well, I mean, too, we have to remember that Jesus, you know, I'm talking about, I, I guess, I guess it would be, I'm glad he said that because I guess one way is to pinpoint this is that I'm really trying to talk about individuals here is, is how we relate to individuals and to others in our own life. Mm-hmm. But there is a bigger thing where the system, and what I think Jesus was doing was he wasn't fighting against individuals when he was flipping over the tables. In fact, there probably weren't tables there. They were actually probably rugs mm-hmm. that he was pulling up and shaking. Bothers. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but he was making a very big political statement, a statement that literally probably was the last straw, um, the final nail in his cross, if you will. Um, and he was fighting against a system, and he was making a political statement uh, and a, a statement against a political system and a religious system that he felt was unfair. So I think that's important to realize, too. Um, one of my favorite punk rock guys, uh, John Lydon, said, you know, I don't want to destroy people, but I don't mind destroying systems. Mm. And um, there will be people who are hurt when systems break apart, but it's also being aware of that and how can we help care for those people. So for me, Jesus was making a point of anger against system. I'm not saying anger is bad. I think anger is good. I think anger is an energy. Anger usually gets me my talks. Anger usually leads me to a place of grace. Hmm. Because when I'm angry and I'm hurt and I'm mad, I, I go, okay, what's going on? Why am I so angry? What has this touched in me that makes me so angry about this? Mm-hmm. And how can I be constructive? How can I deal with this constructively? How can I? So I don't think there's anything wrong with anger. I think anger is necessary. Um, there have been times where I have fought with people in my life and been very angry and it felt like a release. And that moment was right for that time. My angry response is saying, I don't care about that. This is not the point. And I'm very angry made a point, but it wasn't doing it out of the fact that I hated them or I wanted to destroy them. It was me saying they need to see that this is hurting me. This makes me angry Mm. and that I will not tolerate this. Um, so you know, yeah, and maybe that's me just uh, getting you having my cake and eat it too. I don't think so, but you know, I don't think it, I think people would argue like, you know, well, then no protests, angry protests, are those wrong? You know, I mean, no, I mean, I don't disagree with protests. People are angry. I prefer nonviolent protests, of course, because I subscribe to the idea of nonviolence, but not everybody does. But I, I believe that we're called the nonviolence in the Bible. I believe we're called nonviolence as human beings. But to be angry isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, to flip over tables of the money changers or the politicians to expose what's going on isn't bad. It's just I don't want to hit – I don't want to hurt the politician. I'm not going to throw the table on them. I might flip their table over mm. and say this is why I'm angry, but I'm not going to flip the table on to them. So I think there's – I think there's a nuance there that yeah. we have to see. And I think there's a tension there and, a, and if you will, a uh, dialectic there that we have to see where two truths meet and we have to see where do those truths meet. Um, 
And what do they become when that dialectic happens? Um, you could even say a contradiction to a certain extent and looking at that contradiction and realizing that contradiction is an impossible, is not an impossibility mm-hmm. that can't work together and that most of us, all of us, I'm not going to say most, all of us have to learn to live with even our own contradictions in our lives. Um, there are some that we can be set free from, but there's a lot that we can't. So that would be my long answer to mm-hmm. that question. But I think that was a great question. Yeah. Also, I don't think we ever see Jesus more angry, speaking of anger, than specifically when people are presenting themselves as spiritual teachers or like, you know, the money changers are in the temple or like when he's talking about the Pharisees being twice the sons of hell, yeah. you know, for going out and trying to recruit people to a, to a, um, an insincere, disingenuous, uh, version of spirituality, but presenting themselves as spiritual leaders. Yeah. So it's not saying we don't get angry at situations. It doesn't say we don't get angry at systems. And I think that's important, Grat, and I'm so glad he asked that question. I'm glad you even brought that up because that even goes very further into a system where Jesus is looking at this the, the, the system of the religious law, and he's going, this isn't what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And these guys have become sons of hell right. by what they're doing to other people. You know, I mean, if the moment comes for me to sit down with someone and I see what they're doing is hurting, or, I mean, if they're killing people or hurting people, I'm going to say, you're hurting people. I once time I once told a pastor who I was meeting with about gay rights. Um, we were talking about it and he points out a lesbian couple pushing a, well, maybe a lesbian couple might have been two friends hanging out pushing a baby cart, but he goes, look at that poor kid, that poor kid there will never have a dad, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you're not being homophobic. I said, now you're just being sexist. And I told him the truth because I felt the time is, is he needed to hear the truth and the most graceful thing and most passionate thing I could do is say, this is what you're doing and we've got to point it out so you can see it. Good point. You know, and that was with the idea of not to hurt and maim him. <laughs> that idea was with hopefully to change him for him to see what he was doing and to see his judgment and to see that. So life is complex. You know, one, this talk isn't the end all of all talks. And two, there's a complexity to this as well. And, um, and I think that's what the thing is that I respected this guy and he knew I respected him and he knew I wasn't there to hurt him. So I was able to speak the truth to him. And I think that's also part of arguing well is knowing the situation that you're in and, you know, what you're telling them, is that going to be something that's beneficial to them or is mm. it going to be something that wounds them? You know? Yeah, totally. Is it going to help or hurt? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Roberta, our friend Roberta, her her daughter is watching today, and she her, her name's Lauren, and she asked a couple of questions. First, she asked, um, "Can you explain the the phrase shelter for your enemies?" Well, I mean, I was just being kind of silly and cheeky um, about that, but I mean, if you've literally thought about it, it, would be like when your enemies are in need, you help take care of them. I mean, I think the the Good Samaritan is a perfect example of that. You know, how he took care of his enemy and put him in bed and made sure he was cared for and taken care of and healed and brought back to life. You know, it's the prime example what Jesus is showing us there is saying, you know, you got, he's speaking to a group of people who hate Samaritans and trying to say who was the, who's the hero in this story. And they're not even wanting to say the word mm-hmm. Samaritan or think about Samaritans because they hated Samaritans so much. Cause in his story, the Samaritan is the one who showed the love and showed the compassion. And so Christ, and, he, and Paul, Peter, Jesus was also showing that, uh, that <laughs> interesting enough, um, is that no nationality, no group of people have a corner on compassion and love and grace either. 
you know, it's not about who you are, what you believe or what you is about what you, you know, how you care for others. Mm. Um, so for me, I think it is just saying like, you know, I'll help, I'll love my enemies where they're at, you know? And what I mean by shelter by that is just a better way that we communicate with those that hurt us, uh, you know, creating a place where we figure out how, how do I best care for my enemies? And that's like with the shelter, we're caring for the homeless. We're giving them something they need. What does my enemy need? Does my enemy need to hear that they're a sexist or does my enemy need to hear that it's going to be okay and we're going to get through this and that I'm not going to hurt them? Nice. Um, Lauren also asks, what do you think of Young's idea of the mirror that when we have an enemy, it's because there is something within us that is a negative attribute that we see in them? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Sounds just like what you're saying. I'm not a huge union, but I do mm-hmm. agree with Young in quite a few areas, and that is is one that I believe. I mean, that's pretty much kind of the idea. When I thought of it, and then I was like, oh, well, Young covered this a long time ago, but yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, awesome. And apart from that, we just have some, a, some big amens and things like that. Uh, Steve said, you've done some great teaching and preaching this morning, Jay. Thank you so much. Uh, and then Maria... And Amanda are also saying thank you for the message. Um, yeah, that's about it for for Afterglow, though. Well, thanks everybody. It's awesome to be able to do this, and oh, I love that we're able to have conversations. And you know, for me, some of the best parts are you guys asking and pushing back or asking questions because honestly, it helps me clarify my thoughts and and it makes the talk way better. So I really appreciate that. Heather uh, did have uh, another oh, yeah. thought that I think is worth pointing out. I forgot this one here. Uh, she said. Uh, I always saw um, the passage of scripture that says he prepares the table for me in the presence of my enemies as being all about the table being there for my enemies as well. Yeah, that's really that's, cool. that's a really cool. I, like that. I haven't thought about that, but yeah. yeah, it's true. It's like you've prepared a table for my enemies. And now it's like Jesus has kind of told us what to do with that table and at that table and how to act. <laughs> Angel just asked uh, something. Angel just asked, what are some practical things you've learned from your therapies? <laughs> um, honestly, it's just been more me focusing on and just uh, it's helped me see some past wounds and some defense mechanisms that I've built over time. I don't think anything that would be super particular to explain now. I think I'll eventually get into it. But I've also seen some of my own contradictions, which is 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 really unique. And um and one of the contradictions that I saw, I find it to be actually a gift that I have the contradiction and that um, – I'll just tell you what it was. It, it's it's uh, that I'm – the, the analyst said that it's – I'm extremely guarded. Like my tattoos and my punk rock style is my armor. Like my mother's makeup was her armor. And I'm covered in my armor. But at the same time, I'm extremely, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely transparent and have no fear of transparency. And those aren't two things that usually go together. Mm. And it could be seen as some as kind of crazy. (laughs) That word was actually brought up, mentioned. So yeah, that was one thing I saw. And, um, and of course, as the week goes by, you start to realize in the areas where it kind of maybe a negative effect and where there's a positive effect, mm. you kind of see some of these other things. I've never done anything like analyze. I've seen an analyst before, and so it's it's a whole different level of therapy for me that's been been very helpful. But thanks for asking. Um, but I've got my kids today because they're coming because mom was on vacation this weekend with them. So I got to go. Mm-hmm. But I love you guys. 
And um, hey, if you like what you're hearing, please consider uh, making a donation because that's how we survive and get through. And uh, we cannot do this without your support. So thank you so much. We love you so much. And uh, see you next week. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.